All right. So we are kicking off a series today that's called The Supporting Acts. And um, we wanted to do this series really to kind of showcase some less, uh, we'll call them less prominent um, Christians that appear in Acts. If you've ever read through Acts, it's, you know, we might see kind of two heavy hitters. Peter, you know, the rock on whom the church was founded, and Paul, guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. And so we might know about some of those guys, um, but there are a lot of different people that kind of show up in Acts. And so we're going to take a dive uh, through the next few weeks of just seeing these people who weren't always necessarily leaders in the church per se, um, but they were gifted uniquely, and they gave to the church in very unique ways. And so um, we're going to be touching on them and hopefully just encouraging each other through this series. And so to kick off tonight, we're starting with a fella by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas. Does anyone know what Barnabas means? Oh, we have some right on, right on. It means son of encouragement. Absolutely. And it's fitting. And after reading his story, after going through Acts, this is what I want us to take away. That when we purposely bring actions of faith in Jesus out there, out into the world, that it produces stories of encouragement and joy for all Christians who hear about it. Can we throw that up on the screen there, Nick? When we purposely... Oh, there's a... There might be one before that. No? No? Okay. When we purposely bring actions of faith in Jesus out there, out there, out into the world, it produces stories of encouragement and joy for all Christians who hear about it. Last week was a huge evidence for this. Um, if you were here, we had the fun fair, and we got to kind of be encouraged. Uh, I, that's at least what I'm calling it. <laughs> sure, sure, fun fair expo, whatever. <laughs> But I know I was really encouraged, right? We sat and we heard people like Jonathan Holden talk about how, you know, he was working with teenagers. He was praying with them, and they were praying and fasting and figuring out where they needed to go in neighborhoods to spread the gospel. Incredibly encouraging. And he was raising teenagers up to, you know, tons of memory verses that they were going through. He was just building it up, and it was encouraging to hear what he's doing in Angola. You know, it was encouraging to hear about compassion, right? How we're giving to compassion and the churches in Mexico are then taking the money and actually giving it to the churches and then giving it to the families who they are directly working with and uplifting them out of poverty. It's incredible. You know, thinking about young life, thinking about how Courtney goes into the high schools, befriending teenagers, and then weekly they're being taught about the gospel. These are encouraging things to hear about. And Barnabas, being the son of encouragement, he was like a walking fund fair. <laughs> Everywhere he went, he brought encouragement. And so we're going to kind of take a look at him. And we're going to kind of start by just giving a, a big old timeline of his life and just um, kind of zooming in on him. And then we'll kind of take th some things out of his story. So, if you want to turn to Acts in general, we're kind of going to be bouncing around there. Um, might be a little hard to follow, but we're going to have verses up on the screen. So, we're going to start in Acts chapter 4. This is where Barnabas first shows up on the scene. 
And I'll just read it here. It says, thus Joseph also heads up. We're going to get into so many double names. Everyone has a double name. <laughs> Saul Paul, yeah, Joseph Barnabas, it's, it's a thing. Uh, thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So right off the bat, the first thing we hear about Barnabas, he comes in, he's introduced, he sells a field, brings the money, gives it away to the apostles. Generous, extremely generous. And then we don't hear about him for about five chapters. <laughs> but right out of the gate here, I mean, this is a, this is a seriously generous act. And so I, I, I didn't want to skip over this, even though it's the, it's the entrance of where Barnabas kind of comes in. So he's a generous guy, willing to put everything at the feet of the apostles. And when we find him next, isn't until around like Acts chapter 9. But before we get there, we kind of have to understand this other guy. If we understand Barnabas, we have to understand a little bit about this fella named Saul. And Saul, if you don't know who that was, Saul Paul, once again, I'm going to be using kind of either name. <laughs> so just, they're the same guy. But originally, he was, if you don't know who that is, he was an extremely devout Jew who thought he was loving Yahweh the best he could. And when he heard that a bunch of people, a bunch of Jews, were now following this Jesus fella. He was like, nope, Israel's done this before. They've gone, like, I'm going to go show them, no, get back on track. This is not right. And so he zealously goes out and he starts persecuting these Jesus followers. And on the way to Damascus, <laughs> Jesus rocks his world and he shows up. And he's like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul has an amazing encounter with Jesus. And his whole life changes. And when he shows up into Damascus, where he was going to be persecuted, he starts preaching Jesus. <laughs> so the reason I get there is because he ends up then turning and going to Jerusalem. But not everyone believes Paul's story about his conversion. They don't know if it's true. And so he finds himself a little bit alone in Jerusalem. But when Barnabas hears that he has shown up, Barnabas is the one who actually goes, sits down with Saul, hears his story, and brings him to the disciples and the apostles. He's like, hey, this guy's telling the truth. It's Barnabas. It's Barnabas who grabs the future writer of most of the New Testament. <laughs> and he brings him to the disciples. He takes the leap of faith. Then some pretty incredible things happen in Jerusalem. I want to just set the stage because sometimes we can maybe pass over this in Acts. But in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit starts falling on the Gentiles. And this is, this is mind-blowing. This is absolutely mind-blowing because it's a total rework of what the Jews are used to. They're used to Yahweh. It's, that's Israel's God. Like Yahweh and the Jews. Like how, so all these Gentiles are now being brought into the fold. 
And now the Holy Spirit has descended on them, and they're starting to speak in tongues. They're starting to get spiritual gifts. And they're like, okay, okay we got to figure out what God is doing here. Like, this is, this is incredible. Um, and then they start hearing rumblings that this is not just confined to Jerusalem. See, the ch- church had been heavily persecuted at this time, and a bunch of people had, you know, fled because they were being persecuted. So they had gone north, and most of them were sticking to synagogues, Jewish synagogues, preaching the gospel. But some people up in Antioch in Syria were preaching to Gentiles. And so the church in Jerusalem is like, hey, apparently there's like a bunch of Gentiles coming to Christ up north. Someone needs to go have a look at this. So who do they send? Old faithful Barnabas. <laughs> they say, hey, would you go check this out? And so they anoint him, appoint him, and send him. And he goes north to Antioch. And when he gets there, what does he do? What's his name? And what does he do? Son of encouragement. So he encourages. Yeah, that was probably, I wasn't really setting you up very well for that one. <laughs> Set you up for failure. That's right. He encourages when he gets there. And I'll just read it. It's Acts 11. When he, the he is Barnabas here. When Barnabas came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted, he encouraged them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So he shows up. He encourages them all. He teaches. And a great number of people come to Jesus. It's fantastic. And I also want to catch this too. It says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. It says that because he encourages. He encourages, then it says, because he encouraged, he encouraged because he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. He had the spiritual gift of encouragement. I don't know if you've ever thought about, like, godly encouragement being a spiritual gift, but it is. And Barnabas has it here. It's an evidence, actually, of the Holy Spirit and work in him. So I didn't want to skip over that either, because I think it's very important. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement, and maybe you've never thought that was worth anything. But we see it at work here. And what happens? A great many people were added to the Lord. That gift can be used, church. Now, when Barnabas gets here to Antioch, and he's got all these Jews and Gentiles that are loving Jesus... He sees an opportunity, and he wants to find his old buddy Paul. Because when Paul was back in Jerusalem, Paul was preaching already to the Gentiles. He was preaching boldly to them, so boldly, in fact, that he began to be persecuted. (laughs) And he ended up in Tarsus because he had to flee Jerusalem. So Barnabas is thinking, well, I have a bunch of Gentiles here that need preaching too. So Barnabas actually travels to Tarsus, grabs Paul, and brings him to Antioch and goes, all right, let's do this. And for a year, they work with the church and they preach there and they encourage them and they build them up to the point where the church is so giving and lively that there becomes a huge famine in the area. And the church in Antioch prepares famine relief for those in Judea, in Jerusalem, 
and they send food and famine relief with Barnabas and with Saul. And they're the ones that go south. So they go to Jerusalem, and then on their way back, when they're done with the famine relief, Barnabas grabs his old cousin. He grabs his cousin John Mark, and they head back to Antioch. And this is where some pretty cool stuff happens. I'm going to read just from Acts 13, 2 to 3. It says, this is, they're in Antioch right now, Barnabas and Paul. And it says, while they were worshiping, this is the whole church in Antioch. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they, the church, laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so we get a, uh, one of the first missions trips here. And I'm just going to kind of detail some great highlights from this. Because it, it is quite a trip, to say the least. Um, you can bring up the map here. <clears throat> but we're going to go uh, to a number of places. So we're kind of over here, if you want to zoom in on that. And uh, so there's Antioch over here. And so they go to this port, Seleucia, and then they start their journey on, on to Cyprus, the island of Cyprus. And when they get there, they meet this magician. They rebuke him. And because they do this, you know, God shows his power, and the governor of Cyprus comes to Jesus. Um, at this point of time, unfortunately, John Mark, which is Barnabas' cousin, he leaves the missions trip. But... They continue on, and they go to kind of the mainland there. And they preach that Jesus Christ is risen in one of the Jewish synagogues. And to, you know, my surprise, it goes over really well. So well, in fact, that they actually invite him back for next week. They say, can you please preach next Sabbath? So like, absolutely. So they hang around town. And, you know, they spend time with people. And the next week, they start to preach the Gentiles are included in this now. And that really ruffles the Jewish feathers. And now they get kicked out of town. But before they do, the Gentiles rejoice, it says in Scripture. They rejoice at this message. And Paul and Barnabas leave to the next town. And they go there, and the town is divided over the message that Paul and Barnabas bring in Iconium. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so, like, uh, they try to stone them, but they, <laughs> they find out about this thing, and so they run away. However, the Jews aren't done. They end up following them because they still want to stone them. So they go over to the next town. They start preaching, and they actually see a man healed. And it's so radical. It's so radical that a bunch of the townsfolk actually think that they're Zeus and Hermes come down. And so they actually bring a bunch of cattle to start sacrificing to them, to Barnabas and Saul. And they're like, no, 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 don't do that. Like, <laughs> we, are, we are but men. And it's just this incredible story. And by then, the other Jews catch up with them. Paul gets stoned. It's, it's this whole comedy of errors, I mean, if, if stoning could be called that. Paul lives through this one. Um, but they go to the next town, and it says that God heals uh, or sorry, it says that a number of people come to Christ in the next town over. And by the time they kind of reach the end there in Derby, 
they reverse course and they go back through every town on that mainland. And it says that they strengthened, encouraged, prayed, fasted, and appointed elders in all the churches before returning home to Antioch in Syria there. And when they get home, what do they do? They encourage the church based on the stories of spreading the gospel. I'm sure you're picking up a theme here. <laughs> but after this, the church in Antioch, they have some false teachers come in. And there's some people that are trying to hamper the gospel by saying, oh, no, these Gentiles, sure, they can be included, but they've got to get circumcised, and they have to also follow all these customs that Moses laid out for us. So the church is like, whoa, 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 we have to send someone to Jerusalem to get some clarity on this, because we need to be unified in this. And so who do they send? Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barney. And the whole time they're going south, what are they doing? They're going through, you know, Phoenicia and Samaria and Judea. So they're going through all this area here. And they're encouraging people. They're telling them, hey, we've been to all these areas. And the Gentiles are believing. They're coming into the fold. Right? Remember the fund fair, right? They're encouraging all these people with the work that they're doing so that by the time they get to Jerusalem, they get clarity on this whole issue, and it's like, no, they don't need to get circumcised. They don't need to follow all these customs. Of course not. They are free from these things. And so they go back north to Antioch, and they give the letter to the Antioch church, and what are they? It says that the church is encouraged and joyful. <laughs> Now, once they return, we kind of reach the end of Barnabas's time. Because the last story that we get is they're about to set off on their second missions trip. And Barnabas really still wants to bring his cousin, John Mark, along. You know, John Mark bailed right at the island of Cyprus last time. And Paul's like, I don't want to take John Mark. He bailed on us last time. And Barnabas just feels a call. He's like, no, I we should bring them. And so they actually end up splitting up. And Paul brings a man named Silas, and they go and they strengthen all those churches that they just went to on the mainland. Paul and Silas go that way, and Barnabas and John go back to the island of Cyprus, where Barnabas is actually from. And they go and strengthen all the churches there. You see, when Barnabas purposely brought actions of his faith in Jesus out there, all over there. It produced stories of encouragement and joy for all Christians who hear about it. Can we bring up the next slide? And I use, oh, can we go, it's the first slide. <laughs> this is the one I was looking for earlier. <laughs> That's the one. And I purposely use these particular words here, purposely. You know, Barnabas didn't stumble into these things, did he? In fact, in a lot of these verses, there was fasting and praying and heavy intention about where he went. Actions. The reason why I used actions is because these are both deeds and words. It's not one or the other, and it's not neither. It's both. 
It's both deeds and words that communicate our loyalty to Jesus and Jesus alone. And out there, <laughs> out there, out there can mean a lot of things. It's anywhere outside our church and our home, out there, beyond these walls, the main streets of our cities, our neighbor's house, city council, school board, other churches, food banks. Guys, we need to go out there too, just like Barnabas did. You know, I've heard plenty of messages that remind us that we're an isolated, individualistic culture. And we just keep on needing to remind ourselves to get out there because it sometimes is so against what we long to do, seek the comforts of our home. You know, our faith stays in our house and at church, and maybe we share it every so often when we find ourselves out there. But can we see that there is a difference between sharing the good news at a place that we already have plans to go and making plans to go out somewhere to declare the good news with our words and deeds. There's a difference. We need to do both. One is not better than the other. We need to do both. But I think the second one often gets neglected. Maybe ask yourself the question, when was the last time you made plans to go out somewhere to declare the good news of Jesus? This has been weighing on me recently. So I'll let you in. Um, sorry, small group, you've already heard the story. But, you know. <laughs> um, but just this past week, I, um, I was in Toronto. I got down there really early for an event. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I'll just walk around the city. And I just felt stirred up to pray as I was walking out loud for the city that I was walking around. Just pray that people come to repentance. You know, just pray over, you know, city intersections that people would be preached to here and that they would listen to the word and that they would find Jesus. Praying for businesses. Praying for people that I saw walk past me. And I just thought to myself, when have I ever done this in Whitby? When have I, uh, that's where I live. When have I ever done this in Ajax? The answer for me is, is to my shame, never, I don't think. I don't think I've ever walked the streets. I don't think I've ever made a plan to go out there. You see, remembering last week, remembering that fund expo where we got to be encouraged by other stories, right, of people sharing the word, and we hear that, and we get encouraged. But guys, we are not just recipients of other people's encouraging stories. We are participants, or we should be participants, in our own stories of seeing God's word preached, of seeing his love in action on our city streets. We should be about seeing good deeds take place on the streets of Ajax, Whitby, Pickering, Oshawa, wherever we're from, Toronto, all of Durham. 
So I think we just need to get purposeful. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but we need to get purposeful. How do we do this? And um, I was just thinking of Barnabas after reading his story. And one thing that stands out is make it a habit to fast and pray with others to discern what God is saying to us. I think is one thing we can do. Remember in Acts chapter 13, 2 to 3, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. So they created space with each other. This isn't just a lone ranger type thing. They were doing this together. And they heard the Holy Spirit speak. So I think that's one of the things that we can do, pray and fast together. If we're to get purposeful, we can make a plan to do something, anything. Don't overcomplicate it. Plan to go walking with someone and pray over the neighborhood. Take time to stop and talk with someone in need. I know so often I drive past people in need because I'm on my way somewhere. But what if we were to plan time to go out there and go, if I see someone, now I have the time. I made the time. Are your neighbors struggling? If you've talked to your neighbors and you know they have struggles, go talk with them. Don't just say you're praying for them, but ask if you can pray with them. In that moment, guys, there's a big difference between saying, I'll pray for you, and then walking away and saying, hey, can I pray with you right now? And invoking the name of Jesus in their presence. There's a powerful difference between the two. One can often just be seen as a, that's a nice thing to say. And, but it stays private. Our faith stays private. You know, plan to visit a church, a church plant, and ask them in advance how you can serve. Vic's doing that right now. I know your family's done it, Brian. That's a great thing to do. Contact a food bank. You know, ask them what their biggest need is at the moment. I know St. Paul's on the Hill is something that, uh, that needs a lot of help right now. But think about once you hear the need from them, go into your community. Knock on doors. Not because that's the easiest way to get food. The easiest way would probably just be to pay for it and then go drop it off. But what if you were to knock on doors and they ask, what is this for? And what if you had the boldness to say, you know, I'm doing this for Jesus. Like I, I love, you know, I, I love the brokenhearted and the needy, and I want to provide for them. And Jesus tells me to love them. Like, what a witness that would be. Listen, if, if you don't have an idea, see step one, pray and fast with another. I'm sure some ideas will come out of that as the Spirit leads. And guys, if we get purposeful, I want to say plan to be seen. Plan to be seen. In Matthew 5, 15 to 16, it talks about not hiding our light. It says, nor, nor do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all the house. Right in Revelation that we just read through, the lampstand is the church. 
We're supposed to give light. So plan to be seen. Continuing on, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and then give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our being seen, uh, our good deeds being seen is, is not for the glorification of us. It's for the glorification of God who sent us. If we're going to get purposeful, we need to plan to bring relief. What do I mean by that? We heard Barnabas brought food and his very presence to that, that famine that was going on in Judea. He brought his teaching and his encouragement to a new church in Antioch. He brought Paul <laughs> to that new church because he saw him as an asset for that church. He brought the gospel to the Gentiles, to people who had not heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And he brought his cousin Mark along. He wouldn't give up on John Mark. He brought him along. I think that's super special. Well, we can bring, guys, if we're heading out somewhere and we're getting purposeful, grab a New Testament, plan to give it away, pack some food, and just say, I'm going to, you know, if I come across some people in need, I've got something for them. Warm, warm socks for cold nights. It's starting to get cold. We can do that. Water for the thirsty. Listening ears. You know, prayer for the hurting. And just the gospel for everyone. <laughs> And I just want to remind us, guys, that our testimonies, our testimonies are a microcosm of the gospel. It's the gospel on display in our lives. It's evidence of the gospel at work in us. That is your testimony. It has power. So if we get purposeful, we need to go out there. And wherever you are going, Wherever you find yourself, try to go a few times at the very least. I think some consistency here we can see even in Barnabas' story. He's from Cyprus. He plans to go to Cyprus on his first missions trip. And then we learn that on his second one, he returns there. And even Paul, he returns to the other churches that he goes to to continue to strengthen and build the people that you are pouring into. And number two, don't go alone. When we go out, don't go alone. Think of who can help the mission you're undertaking, right? Like Paul being dragged to Antioch. Or better yet, if you're bringing someone along like a John Mark, find someone who can be empowered by witnessing the mission that is happening to build their faith up. We're doing this together. It's one of our missions. It's one of our like, core values. One another. And we're doing this together. So we go out there to grow out there. Let's remember that the goal of bringing each other along as we spread the gospel is that one day that person we brought along to wherever we go, one day they'll bring someone else. And maybe one day they'll say, you know, much like Paul and Barnabas, separate ways they'll go, hey, I'm, I, I need to go. I, need to, I feel 
God's stirring me to go here. But now they'll know how to bring others. They won't leave you with nothing. We need to grow out there. Let us grow into sons and daughters of encouragement. As we go out there, as we grow out there, let's not forget to tell these stories to encourage one another. I was even thinking of Lawrence while I was writing this, just thinking about the bridge ministry that's probably going, going on quite shortly, where they sit, you know, on, um, on a bridge with a sign that just says, I think if, prayer, if, you, if you need prayer, stop here, and they've got coffee and they've got donuts. It's plain. It's, ov- it's overt. They're not hiding anything. It's a rich idea in its simplicity. Just remind us again that we are not just recipients of these encouraging stories. We are participants in our own stories about seeing God's word spread. So my desire for us is that we are a church that is filled with encouraging stories. Not, the, not stories we've heard, but actual stories that I can tell firsthand amongst ourselves and, and other churches. Because this is evidence that the Holy Spirit is leading us out into the world. It's evidence that our light is not being hidden under a basket on Elizabeth Street in Ajax somewhere. But we are going out. You know, we have a mic open during worship. And I think we've lost a muscle. And we haven't exercised it very frequently. Where we used to tell stories of God's faithfulness throughout the week. I want to build that muscle back up. And I want it to be first-hand stories of us getting out there and telling each other, guys, I witnessed God's faithfulness in just a small encounter I had on the streets of Whitby, on the streets of Ajax, on the streets of Oshawa. I want to exercise that muscle. So please, community group leaders, this week at small group, I want us to talk and pray amongst ourselves. And I want us to find ways to purposely bring, you bring up that slide, to purposely bring actions of our faith in Jesus out there to produce stories of encouragement for our church and joy for all Christians who hear it. Can you guys do that? As community groups, really, really pray into this. Make commitments to your small group. Do things together. Don't go alone. But can we do this this week? Can we make commitments? Because I want to hear these stories of encouragement for our church. I want the joy that is there from hearing how God is using you and me and you and you and you in the streets of these cities here to spread his gospel. Because there's a lot of lost people out there. 
And one day God will return to judge the living and the dead. And it's a fairy tale ending for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus. And it's anything but for those who don't call him Lord. So let's take that seriously into our weeks, please.